0: Welcome to Hype A, another episode. I can't believe we're actually already on episode five. Um, I'm really excited about this interview with Eric Carlos Bertrand, um, or Eric Carlos Bertrand. He is an artist. He also is a gallery owner in Quebec. He's got a lot of experience in the art world um, with having set up exhibitions and galleries in Quebec and in Europe and Barcelona in particular and we're going to go deep into the the conversation of the art market and the art world and running a business in the art world as well as let's talk about as well as art as well because it's, it's pretty phenomenal so let's welcome Eric hi Eric
1: hello how are you Kathy? I'm good thank you <laughs> so yeah so thanks for inviting me to talk about these things that are so precious and Uh, and that have been are overhyped in a certain way for the wrong reasons, but that matter in a different way to a lot of people just as much.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, So before we begin, you know, I always like to ask my guests, you know, where you came from, what's your story what's your background? You have a multi-linguistic name like myself. Um, Tell us about your upbringing and where you're from, your culture.
1: Uh, Okay, well, my mom's Mexican to start with. Mm
0: -hmm. And my
1: dad is from Northern Quebec. He couldn't be deeper. He's from a mining kind of industrial uh, surrounding. I think my great-grandfather actually found a gold mine or something like that. Wow. Uh, rich from it uh, and neither was he but uh that's kind of the context my mom is a is a cosma is a is, is she was born in mexico city from and she's really from the, what they call the reforma now she's mm-hmm. been to mexico city there's an angel uh and uh, she was al- alive in 56 uh she's, she's no longer alive, neither my father but mm-hmm. she was alive when there was this uh earthquake when the angel fell they always call yeah. they talk about the angel so my mother could have the angel could have fallen on my mother, basically, which is kind of like, it would have been a chance in a million, but it's just mm-hmm. an image to use uh, to kind of like talk about two different contexts, which actually also subsume or underlie the personality. I have really kept kind of like contact with all those. Maybe a third one, which is the Anglo part, because I'm French-Canadian.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, my, I don't my know. I would say either French or, or, or Spanish is my mother tongue. Yeah, uh, and I don't know which. And English <laughs> yes. was all my friends around me were uh, Anglophones when I was growing up, so I learned those languages really young.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So that kind of that kind of explains a lot of things. Whereas I had to had to kind of negotiate all these different uh, contexts where uh, culture means different things, where uh, visual arts mean different things. Uh, you know, I grew up, I, I. I I mostly grew up here, although I did, I was in Central America between 8 and 13, mm-hmm. and that was Honduras and Guatemala because my father took us different places, uh, which further complicates things. But in, in essence, it's mm-hmm. been between uh, Montreal where I grew up, uh, or around Montreal and uh, uh, Central America. And then later I went to do my master's thesis in Mexico, and uh, this is when I acquired a different, a sense of a different modernity they would call it, but a different relationship to um, the minimal conceptual language I would call it like that. What kind of is dominant in the galleries nowadays? This really sick, uh, slick. I would say um, yeah. that's probably a good, uh, a good mistake to make, a Freudian yeah. slip. But
0: yeah. this slick,
1: uh, <laughs> very clean, uh, very careful, and not very risky type of art. Where uh, language replaces almost you can describe what you see more than you know. Mm-hmm. Like you can almost guess what you're seeing by how it's described, uh, mm-hmm. as opposed to something that's very in in the way of doing it in the making. You know, like how you figure out things uh, in the making, and um, that's a particularity about Mexico. Their attitude towards maybe you know, i say, abstract expressionism, minimalism, uh, and you know, conceptual art is totally different. So when I came back to Montreal, I already didn't fit. I came back after my master's. And so yeah. that led on to a series of conclusions, we'll, which we'll talk about, I'm, I'm certain, mm-hmm. but in a different kind of, uh, trying to find different ways of negotiating which w- with the institutions, uh, different ways of making art, uh, different relationship to message, a different relationship to networking, etc., etc., etc. et cetera. Et cetera, et cetera. That's my background and more or less. Yeah.
0: Wow, I love it. And obviously, you know, I'm finding a lot of resonance with what you're saying, because, you know, I'm Colombian. And That's right. Italian, you know, and I, it's the same thing. My mother tongue was Spanish and Italian. Um, I was born in London and raised in London, but I also went to Italian school in London as well as an English-speaking school. And yeah, the same thing, just growing up with English-speaking people. Um. But yeah it's it's quite interesting how our our backgrounds sort of you know shape us quite yeah. amazingly really we I think um we 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 sometimes forget um and also like as, how as a
1: footnote, we as a footnote my girlfriend's Sicilian so oh
0: great <laughs> same yeah my dad's from my dad's from Sicily my whole family's from Sicilia there I you go. <laughs> yeah um
1: I interrupted yeah, you.
0: no it's fine don't worry I'm all about the the interjections, it's fine here on high pay. Um, but yeah, it's um, it's quite interesting, and also like how our culture can influence our modus operandum of like how we work, you know, and how we communicate in business too. Like, um, you know, do do you find your sort of like so? For example, as an example, with me, I I have to behave in a certain manner. Um, when I'm in England, uh, with my workmates, I would say, um, professionally speaking, there are certain things, I, that I'm, it's not the right thing to just like have an outburst of emotions, <laughs> you know, it's like containing that, and then, you know, um, being labeled as, oh, you know, she's a female, or she's like, she doesn't, she can't control her emotions, or it's kind of like almost a stigma. Um, do you ever find that um, experience uh, resonates with you as well?
1: Um, yes and no yes because I do feel that sometimes for example when I was younger uh, there's certain there's a certain sense of humor which I'm sure you're familiar with the Mexican sense of humor uh, double entendre and stuff like that Mm. so I'd make jokes when I was growing up I didn't know where it came from but I they were really surreal to a lot of people and when I landed in Mexico uh, and uh, very very quickly I understood that it, it was something there was something in that sense of humor, which was really, really understood there. It was really common. Yeah. So that just that way of talking and that way of uh, that reference to metaphors, um, reference to rhythm in language. Because uh, mm-hmm. I think humor, that comes also. Rhythm is very important timing and stuff like that. And then I understood that so I understood where there was a kind of like there's something missing in my life when I was younger, even though I hadn't grown up as a Latin American. Mm -hmm. But uh, on the other hand, I find that the language itself regulates things so like Mm -hmm. if you're if we speak speaking right now in Spanish, I'm sure that right away something will turn on. Yeah, Uh, or Italian, you know, I don't speak, Italian, but I I, I understand understand very similar. I uh, certainly understand when I go to my girlfriend's uh, uh, family. <laughs> <room>. <laughs> uh, so, but um, so I think also in a way that it's kind of like you, you, it, language forces you into kind of behavior itself. So it's kind of a mode you yes. turn on, switch you turn on and off. Uh, you know, I'm totally, if I'd be speaking French right now, most of the people hearing me right now that know French Canadians would be very surprised at how much I changed so mm-hmm. so would people that 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 you know that know also how italians or our colombians you know uh, you know just expressions for example the expressions and the expression i i, I really like in in colombian castellano uh,
0: yes. fresco,
1: right fresco is, mm-hmm. everything's all right everything's fresh it's just this it gets this certain you, you understand a certain situation immediately and it's a kind of um it's a way to barter socially as well. Um uh, yeah,
0: absolutely. And I think you know, obviously being multicultural and you know speaking other languages, I, I speak conversational French. My great grandfather was from Lacoste, like uh, Corsica, and okay. he used to teach um uh, French etiquette to the English cadets in colonial China, which is Hong Kong. Wow. <laughs> and so my, Not really. my
1: you really you really are a mix. Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
0: and, uh, and my dad speaks French and I, I my French is it could be improved if I just like lived somewhere that's French speaking for at least a year. Uh, it's conversational, yeah. but I I love it. But it's so interesting how and amazing how much of an incredible passport it is, you know, like it's such an open door. You know, there's almost like a trust when you're able to with the other a client or someone. Where you're able to speak their language, because it's not just a language, as we know, it's a cultural identity, it's a doorway, it's a key, um, and uh, yeah. So, tell us about how you set up your gallery. Uh, okay, gallery
1: So, so uh, as as we talked about in in the before uh, you turned on the microphone. Uh, so there was an event that was really disagreeable. There was somebody in the environment where I worked in a major cultural institution mm-hmm. in Montreal who was behaving very badly with women. In fact, he's very—he's actually very dangerous. I won't—I can't go too much into the detail about it, but he was really yeah. hurting women really badly. Somebody who I knew for like I've known for a long time, like thirty years, he was a very close friend, and I realized that he was doing these things, so I told on him. So I was a whistleblower and it kind of exploded in my face uh, which is fine because ultimately uh, it gave me the motivation first of all they had to compensate me to leave like the mafia that typically they pay you to leave yeah Uh, so but with that I kind of was able to start the project uh, that I'm in now which is a gallery it also gave me a lot of motivation because I realized that not only is it the individual in that, in that institution, it's also the way these institutions are set up right now. Uh, they mm-hmm. really favor psychotics.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: uh, I, so, yeah. So psychotics try, thrive in the situation because they have no emotion. So they can negotiate situations much more efficiently than people who are trying to be careful with other people. So I, um, I decided that I would try to do a project that was completely uh, the opposite. It's completely generous also as a self-defense because I, I there was a risk that my own reputation would be hurt by it even though and it wasn't because now you know the me too movement is is pretty strong so it's i mean in itself it's ran into problems i guess but and i was never an activist to start with but mm-hmm. uh the idea of um what i thought was important which was it was putting a lot of emphasis on the artist, turning around all this negative energy and showing people that it's possible to work together. And that simple idea, that just very, very simple idea created a lot of enthusiasm. And so like I was telling you before, say since June, the Instagram account has been exploding. Uh, We've gotten only quality, nobody, everybody wants to show here. uh, just by, you know, and I have enough, enough experience to curate very kind of shows that are where, you know, general like the normal format is for artists let's put it that way and uh, and that where the work shoulders other work, like the art, artists are chosen so that each work reinforces other works that like they, they yes. the dialogue mm-hmm. and people notice right away when they walk in and I was also lucky to have a to find this amazing place that's really near the center mm-hmm. and probably the last place in the you know if you if you use the compass and drew a circle from the center it's probably the last place it's only four stations from the center 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 of the city so that gives you an idea i was able to find a place that's relatively cheap now the other thing that's interesting about this place is that's fiscally it's very interesting because my home is in the same place as my studio and my studio is the gallery. So I yes. developed a system where there's a pivoting, pivoting door where mm-hmm. I can hide everything within minutes and then it's a gallery. And then I open the door and it's a studio, right? So um, I'm still perfecting that, but already it's, it's, it's becoming a very efficient way of like kind of like turning off and on. It's like having a switch, you know, you have a switch at the yeah. entrance and you go, gallery home
0: yeah
1: you know a three-way sh- switch whenever you decide it's home it's home and people don't necessarily notice when they walk in here they think it's a gallery if it looks like a gallery they think it's a studio if it looks like a studio they think it's a home if they notice that I have two cats <laughs> basically yeah uh, so um so that's it you know? so like it's become this really really we have a sofa, for example, which you never see in a gallery or a museum, which is a weird principle if you think that most people want to go to these places when they retire, right?
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, so all this together has created kind of this really strong um, uh, enthusiasm, there's a lot of enthusiasm for what we're doing, you know, for for only a, a year's, uh, we're, we've been only open a year and it's been really really strong for the last six months let's put it that mm-hmm. way yeah and it's growing fast
0: well i mean first of all you know before we start to really unpack what you've been already sort of pointed at um i'd like to commend you um by saying i i can see what i'm hearing is it took a lot of courage for you to leave that very toxic environment um and you know, it's not it's not easy, I'm sure. And um for standing up for justice is is so incredibly just it's just so important, you know. We need we need more people, whether male, female, they, it doesn't matter to stand up for justice. So thank you well, so much. A, a,
1: funny how <laughs> the word courage has the word rage in it.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <It's>, isn't
1: it? <laughs> you don't really know if it's like courage or just rage or I would say like the sagacity um mm-hmm. is, uh honed uh, sharpened by uh, rage
0: yeah
1: uh, you become like but it's dangerous as well you know you become very good at doing certain things and you become very careless and in these situations carelessness it can be very hurtful for the real victims because i wasn't a real victim
0: no. right
1: so it's dangerous in that on that on that respect and also i never saw it something as something courageous and i i I just saw it as I was so enraged, you know, because it was somebody very close who got hurt. And this guy was really, really doing really bad things. So, and it still is. So, uh, thank you for the commendation. But on the, on the other hand, it's, it's, there's no other way of doing it.
0: Yeah, cool. And so, life, I mean,
1: yeah, yeah. no, and the life of the people that support this is much worse than mine right now. I mean, ultimately, my life is much better than theirs. So, yeah.
0: Well, I mean, in French, it's courage, right? So it also stems from the word of, like, like, le you know, heart space. So doing what's right from your heart space rather than just, you know, thinking about the money, (laughs) you know, or like...
1: Well, thank you. Having that,
0: no worries, yeah, just having that perpetuating um, and toxic, endemic thing is just... I mean it happens and you know I've I've experienced a toxic situation um, having left the gallery that was representing me. Um it ended up being a very toxic environment. Everyone's gone, everyone's left. Um and it's it's quite scary having to start something new and move things forward. Um, but one must pull justice to do the right thing. And if, if that's me representing myself as a, as a leader of, of that, and if it's you representing so many people and supporting so many people against violence, um, it has to be done. That's, that's just long and short of it, really. Um, and, you know, we we obviously met Eric, um, well, actually, I met no, Eric, you met Eric, Eric Nimminen, yeah. um who was on the season one episode, um, and he introduced me to you, and um, just before recording, you showed me your amazing, amazing gallery and studio. And you showed me that that really cool door that kind of like hides, and then you can open it up. It's, it's fantastic, like how you design it. And it's actually, it looks to me very Mexican, like the style of how you've- um, You're like not the it, first you
1: know? one to say that. Yeah, <laughs> there's actually plants in the gallery, which is something that you don't
0: see,
1: see obviously. And most artists want them in the show. Uh, sometimes it yeah. not but they they feel like yeah no it should be there you know so yeah there is something like that i can't avoid that really it's uh and then there's a lot the little yard in front uh that's also like that there's a lot of little mm-hmm. stones and you know and so yeah yeah i think you, <laughs> you're not the only one to say that but no yeah i can see that um okay so we're
0: just going to take a pause i'm just gonna So, why did your work lead you to the model that you've you've created with Gallery Cash?
1: Yeah, we, we mentioned that before. Uh, the because I started working in systematically in different styles, mm-hmm. and I found that the I myself as a gallery director, uh, specifically in Barcelona, I, I ran this gallery for four four years, and I kept trying to think of how I could represent my work. First of all, there is the problem of representing one's own work when you're the director, which is seen as something very negative, especially here in Quebec, by the way. Um, Yes. It's a highly specialized world. And so your multitaskers are seen as uh, maybe too feminine. (laughs) Uh, It's seen as negative uh, for all the wrong reasons. Mm -hmm. I think artists are multitaskers by nature. it's the creative side that does that right
0: absolutely so, uh,
1: so the um that was a no-no and then i also found out that within the art i ma- i was making which is always varying styles all the time that mm-hmm. was also another no-no uh usually galleries galleries are, inher- are inherited model from uh, salons and, and and very aristocratic uh, houses so it's basically a uh, uh, gallery is a sanitized home uh, it's made for middle class, middle high class, uh, and so it's like a, yes, now it's a white cube, but essentially, what it, the origin is, the origin is is a very rich house, and so you got to look at a an exhibit always is looked upon as you got to walk in and it's got to look look good immediately. It's got to look like a good living room. Everything has to match. Yes. So I think. Uh, There is some leeway there, but I think essentially if you're working different styles, especially in painting, which is a codified language and it's been codified for a long time. uh, Even artists who've worked uh, in different styles for years, uh, like Picasso uh, Mm -hmm. are retroactively reclassified by historians in a certain way in periods, but it's Mm -hmm. not necessarily the way they work. And so, uh, so, all this, all this being said, essentially, I, I was, you know, I was trying to kind of like talk about the context from which uh, the kind of style of showing has to has is expected to to look like. And also, as an artist, you're supposed to work on a series. You know, you can't be yeah. working on two different things at the same time, which I constantly do all the time. Me
0: too.
1: <laughs> Good. <Same>. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, as a teacher as well, like you're you're kind of expected to show the students, oh, this is what you do. This is what you do. It's not like, oh, you have all these different talents. No, this is what you're good at. Work on this. Forget the rest. And so um, I tried to, I I started thinking, okay, how am I going to do it? So that the gallery, is there a gallery model that can accommodate something different?
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And I came I struck on the, like I came on this like, I came upon this idea uh, that um, you could uh, first of all exclusivity doesn't work anymore mm-hmm. the exclusive model doesn't work anymore internet is too strong artists will mm-hmm. show everywhere and so you can have a gallery where you have a kind of a plethora of different artists uh, showing together just as long as every exhibit makes sense yeah. you can change completely I can have very traditional paintings in here and that can have very cutting edge stuff you know Mm -hmm. there's one painting that's up right now that's kind of a very very kind of wild mix of styles but the format itself is out of this world it's a 128 long painting that the artist has been working on since 2014 that he modifies constantly and he only shows the modified part right that's on the wall right
0: is that uh david that David,
1: yeah. David yeah, Benham. And okay. so, what does he do with that painting? You know, how does it fit in a in a gallery context? It's not very yeah. easy. Just the deployment of it to show all 128 feet, which is the maximum length of a roll of, of canvas, by the way.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, he probably done it longer if he could have. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh,
1: so if how you know what do you do with something like that? He doesn't mean to sell it. He probably will sell it to a museum one of these days.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, So I have, by default, because nobody else will show it in the way it's shown right now, although it has been shown before, by more experimental. And it's it's pertinent to say it by an artist that was directing a gallery called Persian Laundry, showed Mm. it in her gallery. Because she was an artist, because she understood, she probably quit because she was an artist too, directing the gallery. Uh, the gallery is called Persian Laundry, um, and now it's now it's now merged. It's now become a, a bigger, a bigger gallery, a more kind of corporate type gallery as well. So, um, so and in, in by getting all these different artists, which are on the walls of my studio. Mm -hmm. i'm influenced by all these people i have museum quality work around me when i'm working um i have all this influx of people collectors art lovers that are coming they might come when the wall is open you know if they come off hours some of them became my friends some of them are starting to collect my work by osmosis i'm becoming kind of a kind of a, a you know uh, a marchand or a dealer of mm-hmm. of my own art, you know, although i I would like to have other kind of you know it would be nice like to have representation in a strong gallery. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, might, it probably will get to there eventually. but meanwhile, the art artist circulates in a kind of much more dynamic um, flow. Um, yeah,
0: it sounds like a flow that's happening with. With what you've created. Definitely. Yeah. it sounds
1: like a flow. And so I have something here that's between kind of a commercial gallery and an artist run center.
0: Yeah.
1: On the face of it, it looks like a commercial gallery, but eventually I would like to return all the profits to the artist uh, by means of uh, grants, mm-hmm. getting grants like an artist run center. And uh, at the beginning, people were saying this was impossible. Mm-hmm. But now the the councils themselves, the people who give grants are starting to prod me into applying, mm-hmm. which I've never seen before. We've really kind of hit this note, right? This kind of like sweet spot. Uh, and I'm not the only person to do that. I just think that I've been lucky to, I've, I'm just lucky to found this amazing place, yeah. you know, the place kind of people sometimes when they walk in here, they see the this space before they see the work, which is kind of a bit unsettling. I would rather them
0: see the work, you know? (laughs) Yeah, I know what you mean. I mean, because you gave me a tiny tour as well beforehand uh, online, and it's just such a, high pay listeners, it's such a gorgeous space. You know, you've got um, light flooding from the ceiling, uh, natural light, which is an artist's dream, okay? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, You know, even, even when we're not painting, we love to appreciate the light, the natural light that floods in. And and I'm sure especially like in Quebec, you know, where the winters can be a little bit rough, you know. Light from
1: four o'clock. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. But it's it's great when we we do get that flood of light. Um and then it kind of it looks, you know, and I know it is a studio, it's your studio as well, but it does look and have a feel of the studio. um, You know, where it's like it's very open, it's fresh, it's welcoming. There's something very mystical and um Mystical about your space. Uh, to be honest, it looks like where magic could be created. And as you oh, said, absolutely. it's not the typical art gallery looking aesthetic. You know, it's it's got a mixture of that Latin, um, um, you know, Mexican vibe. But for me, also, it reminds me of some of the places that I've stayed in in Paris. You know, in some of the very um, bohemian areas of Paris and people's homes that were kind of, you know, very unusual looking. Um, and um, but you've you've also got just such an incredibly impressive like roster if I want to say that word of artists. I mean the quality of the work is really top. I mean I can see here um, and and I just I love the fact that you're you're working with artists that want to experiment with their work. And I totally see what you're talking about with uh, Del Mar's work. Um, it's just Absolutely gorgeous, and I think an artist, another artist, appreciates art from another artist. It's just um, a given, and the fact that you're also a gallerist as well as an artist, it just makes sense. It just sounds like that's kind of how it's meant to work, how yes. the art world should work in a I symbiotic. Think so. yeah, I think
1: that's what I always thought, but then when you go, you go into the world and you actually get into the institutions, and you realize that they're built to, to. You know, I, we said it before. I think psych, psychotics tr- thrive in this context, where, whereas artists kind of tend to flee. They tend to tend to self-efface, which is a problem, or they they, they tend to leave. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they don't. It's not a welcoming place for artists most of the time. Uh, but you know, this is uh, this is uh, kind of like this the karma. We were talking about that earlier. Yeah. Uh, when when I'm when you know I get. No, I get contacted by, just recently I got contacted by this really great artist, a Canadian, like one of the really good Canadian artists uh, right now that is about my age. And he just said, whoa, I I looked at your website and I looked at what you're showing and I'd really like to do something with you, you know. Mm -hmm. And he had a show at this institution (laughs) where Uh, So they're getting, you know, as much as these people wanted me to disappear, now I'm really in their face. I love that. Yeah. so <laughs> I don't even need to kind of satisfy. No. It, the
0: opposite
1: has to be, ha, it has to be the opposite now where I kind of forget. I kind of like let that kind of melt like an ice cube, you know? It used to be an iceberg. It's an ice cube and it'll just melt. The whole thing will just become nothing, you know? And so yeah. that's what it's becoming. Um,
0: I agree. I mean, you know, I'm a mystic myself and uh, i I heavily believe in karma, karma and um I believe that these old ways and paradigms of doing things are closing out they are being obliterated and the truth always comes out always um so sometimes if we can't control a situation uh, the universe will provide that situation to uh you know to be destroyed one well. way another yeah, well, it has to. But sometimes we also have to speak out about injustices. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, like, I mean, I think like I would. Malcolm X, not, uh, no, not Malcolm X, but um, Martin Luther King said, you know, injustice, um, any, any, anywhere is injustice everywhere. So it has to stop. You know, yeah. um, that enough of the xenophobic behaviors, enough of the racism, enough of the sexism, enough of the you know, the, the, the assaults, the abuse, like enough, and not just in the art world, in the arts in general, you know, and we're seeing time and time again of situations in the, in the creative industries that a lot of people are being exposed.
1: You know? Yeah, all the time, yeah. It's
0: just time, it's just a question of time, you know. Um,
1: so, yeah, so, um, so maybe, I thought it would be a good segue into like uh, certain aspects of my work. Mm-hmm. Certainly the last stuff that's been coming out, it's just, I had an artist, this is another benefit of working with so many artists right now, had an artist who, who learned this technique from the 19th century, uh, it, um, which is kind of lost, uh, which is basically academic painting, <laughs> which is crazy to say. Right. So everything that the technique that Ang used, for example, or the technique mm-hmm. even that uh, you know Van Eyck used and, and things mm-hmm. like that, there are special mediums and there's a p- special way of applying that stuff. So she recuperated that her ma- her, her 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 master, is with that was somebody she learned from, uh, just rec- recuperated the technique. Strangely enough, he's in Quebec
0: City. No way. That's and uh,
1: yeah. so she was from Quebec City, and she came. And showed here and I said, Whoa, how do you do that? And yeah. she said, Well, I learned from this guy. And I said, Well, can I learn? And she's most more very generally so generally yeah. taught me mm-hmm. how to do it. And so mm-hmm. the last series, I've been using that technique to um, treasure, let's put it, yeah, to to uh, to kind of value and treasure images that I recuperate from the internet, which are uh, photos of artifacts that are found in different collections and in, mu- in museums and I choose them only in reference to how much they hit my my they impress mm-hmm. me they they hit my imagination they kind of impregnate my imagination so I might start from 600 pieces and then uh, and then I choose 50 and then I, I'm left with let's say 15 that I'll reproduce and mm-hmm. as they kind of work their way into my or I would say from my subconscious. You were saying earlier you were talking about mysticism. Oops. I'm reading a lot of Jung recently. Oh I
0: love, I love Carl Jung. He is so, the yeah he's yeah. my old so the, reference. The, the red book. Yes.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that that the idea of archetypes, you know I mm, exactly I'd been um I I'd been my father's an anthropologist. So my I father know. The longest thing, the anthropologists are generally very, very, uh, very atheist. <laughs> by yeah. Principle and religion, their mm-hmm. religion is atheism, literally, yes. even not believing. And uh, so mm-hmm. I, I kind of work my way from that. Uh, and I've tried to understand uh, what artifacts can mean in a different way. Mm-hmm. So I've kind of like worked on that, on, on reproducing these objects yes as close as they look like as close as well not as close but close enough to what they look like in reality without modifying it Mm -hmm. and so they come out and with this aura you know with this technique uh they come Mm -hmm. out with this aura i apply filters to them uh just like uh color filters uh
0: yeah
1: that reflect kind of the mood you know uh Mm -hmm. so that's 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 the last stuff i've been doing uh, it's it's born out of all we talked about before, trying to find a place of healing, trying to find a place of you know of reverence, uh, of reverence to culture, uh, trying to find try, trying to f- think about what it really means to pre- to treasure something, you know. It could yeah, a- I mean that's, that's
0: profound, profound in itself, isn't it? What it really means to to treasure something that's profound yeah. in itself. Yeah, even treasuring treasuring painting, treasuring, you know, yeah. painting as a skill. I mean, because I'm seeing your absolutely stunning works. Um, high pay listeners go to um, Eric's website, which I'll provide in the link um, on Instagram. We have uh, a painting that we're looking at, I'm looking at on Eric's website, which is a heavily applied oil um, paint in yellow there's some inklings of um, some figures there if we squint our eyes we can sort of like define the figures a little bit more and then there's this top layer of of just uh, horizontal brush strokes oh that's another
1: yeah that's another thing wow yeah
0: yeah and it looks it looks like an old painting yeah
1: so Um, i'm curious there's sort of like an
0: hour back influence uh f- for me as, as as a reader of your work it looks a little bit like a i mean i know we're not meant to compare but it's just
1: reminding me of um no I, our love back. I love i love it yeah no 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 i'm not worried about no 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 because anyways i've i've always done stuff that i feel that is is kind of different so i'm not worried mm-hmm. about that at all um but uh i mean different not very different not that original i don't think that and as far as you know, I don't, I don't presume to make mm-hmm. like uh, timeless work. Originally speaking, their originality won't. So I'm not, but at the same time, you know, I really, you know, I, I that as a reference, just a, mm-hmm. <laughs> really kind of what I meant to say is, it's a really important reference for me. Our back, exactly. um, and you know, those those paintings that you're looking at are another mm-hmm. kind of attitude, or another way of dealing with the art world. They're actually all postcard sized.
0: No, way, yeah, really. very very
1: small, and I did during the pandemics. I did about huh. 15, 1,600 of them. They just came out like I was bleeding them out, and uh,
0: yeah.
1: I made these boxes uh, so I can send them out. Uh, yes. Uh, so you know, if I I you know I I have a special website for them. They're like three hundred dollars each, and they, I had these boxes made in China, and the frame comes in the box, and you can just set set it on the box. So. It's another way of having the work circulate. You know, I've never believed in like different categories of galleries. I've always believed that yeah. galleries think that art are, has a category and how it can be categorized.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But let's say these paintings, there's a section of the city here in old Montreal that sells art for tourists.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And for me, even though I believe in the quality of the work because you always have to as an artist, mm-hmm. I think I could find a place in a very, very touristic place for these things, this, these things.
0: Oh absolutely. Right? Absolutely. But I was also thinking about Salvador Valli and his paintings are, you know, surprisingly very, very small. If you go to see them in museums, they're, yeah, they're so small. Awesome. Yeah. They're so small yeah. and highly detailed and like the application of like that very thin oil paint, you know, or that lovely line or curvilinear. Um, you know, it's but yeah, it's um it sounds like what you're saying is the word accessible, accessibility. You know, the art world being accessible, your work being accessible, um, and let's say even changing the art world a little bit as well by maybe deconstructing certain walls and you know ways of seeing as well. I mean, we can we can also talk about John Berger, um, you know, like the way yeah, of seeing which background. changed people's lives. Yeah. Or or,
1: or Huge as well. Uh, 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 Is it John Huge as well? The writer?
0: Uh, Yeah, I think so.
1: I think it's Mm -hmm. John, yeah, who's another favorite and a favorite of Eric's as well. Mm -hmm. I I always think about how uh, he deconstructed Coons.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) He attacked Jeff Coons. like
0: really?
1: He put him in his place. Jeff Coons (laughs) was saying, oh, I'm being generous and stuff like that. And he was pointing to this huge dogs made out of the flowers and he's going what's generous about this i mean who can have this exactly. you know, Why do you think just because it's kitsch it's being generous that's not generous
0: yeah
1: he laid it on him in a very very uh coherent and very you know he came from this very solid place and <laughs> made it made coons which is has this <laughs> really smooth voice and is really kind of reassuring stance it made him mm-hmm. look ridiculous and i love that
0: <laughs> yeah it's uh, good to, to bring people's egos down. It doesn't matter who they are, you know? Yeah.
1: Um,
0: but yeah, it's so fun. Yeah, but also I was, you know, you, you were talking about Instagram just briefly as well and like how it's not possible for artists to just be exclusive to one gallery. It's not like we can't operate in that old hat mentality anymore. You know, it's just everything is so accessible and immediate as well. And your postcard paintings, as it were, you know, that's immediate. There's that constant correspondent and network um but you know even jerry saltz the art critic highly revered um hated possibly in the art world because he's so um he's so opinionated about his thoughts you know and that's you know i i i've been him once at the guggenheim um for a, a symposium and and uh, yeah and and you know he's just so accessible as well like his writing is now on instagram <laughs>
1: <When> <laughs> you know and you know um, is 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 one of the things that I think that I managed to. One of the reasons that this this gallery works is I you know I've set up a gallery. The show that's right on on right now was set up in mm-hmm. an hour in, in the bed at nine more at nine in the morning, when I was mm-hmm. like, sitting to my girlfriend I was showing her look look we should kind of get him and him and.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, her and,
1: and yeah. Putting me in the same show, and then mm-hmm. I did a chat, and then an hour before, an hour later, they were sending each other hearts. You know. Yeah. And so that the kind of the the dynamics is totally different because they're already working together immediately, and I'm yeah. not. I don't. It's not under my authority. It's not. I always insist that I'm not going to. I'm not. I'm going to say what I think sometimes about certain things, but I'm not going to set an agenda, and it's certainly not me that's going to decide um, you know I'm not I don't have a hidden agenda I don't have mm-hmm. like curators often do they, I, I'm not going to justify some something I said in my thesis by with a show it's not mm-hmm. my it, it's not my place
0: mm-hmm. I disappear
1: you know curators work world should be disappearing because mm-hmm. I've seen a lot of feminist uh, uh, curators I've seen a lot of uh, you know and further I'm, I'm using I'm talking about feminist curators who actually don't act as feminist in their in real life
0: yeah and I've experienced that myself
1: they're not really really they're not real feminists they're like no, they're no, no. Mm-hmm. Uh so that that doesn't work for me I don't think I don't believe that curators know uh, anything uh, more than anybody else they don't have a sup- uh, moral superiority in any sense and art doesn't justify that it's certainly not art for art you know mm-hmm. uh so um that's a instagram allowance for this you know now i have you know i'm following maybe 1200 artists and i constantly thinking where they could fit all the time and all of a sudden when they fall into these you know four people just seem to match and mm-hmm. they don't no one obscures any other artists or on 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 just the opposite. They reinforce each other. shown together, then we have a show, right? So
0: exactly, and I think it's that like for like, isn't it? And it's then again, it's a win-win when there's uh, there's an understanding, there's a respect, there's no agenda. It's a win-win.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know? they all. You know what? In setting up, I know this room my heart by now, you know, but because mm-hmm. I've been I have been living here for 10 years and I, we just started this 15 months ago. So I've That's been amazing. I've known the place, mm-hmm. but I never set up the work. Artists come in and the first show I was thought I was going to kind of like maybe decide where things went. And all of a sudden I, I, I realized one of the people there was the head uh, the head uh, museum technician in the biggest gallery in Montreal. He's one of the artists in the show. Mm-hmm. So I said, mm-hmm. "Why? Why? What am I gonna say? What, how? How can I presume to tell them what to do? It doesn't make any sense." And so yeah. I stepped back, and it, the show was all up in an hour, you know. Wow. Pretty straightforward place. So you can see every single work of uh, a piece when you're when you walk in. So nobody gonna compete for space. Everybody's visible. Uh, everybody's well lit. Uh, so what's the problem, right? So they, and artists know how to set up their own work. If anybody they knows. Know.
0: Yeah, I agree and no, I agree. I mean, it just sounds like you're attracting like all these amazing people, you know and everyone's working symbiotically like a beehive, you know um, yeah. and it, I, I'm amazed it's you only set up 15 months ago and it's already thriving so yeah. much. And it's, you know, again, it's incredible what you can do with a good intention. Um, yeah well
1: that's it that's it i think that's it well even more just like letting go a little bit of the control mm -hmm. letting other people in and it attracts really nice people one of the first people i attracted was eric you know eric he's He's already on our board and, and he's always around and he's always got ideas and so we're collaborating on many things right now outside of this place uh so that's it, you know. It's I don't know what else to say about uh, yeah. the dynamics of this place, but uh, certainly, I mean, let's see where we are in a, in a year. Exactly. Right? Yeah, exciting. I'm I'm excited. Yeah.
0: So yeah. let's um let's conclude with a few questions, which I normally ask my high pay um guests. If you're ready for it,
1: but so you call <laughs> is this a question before you call it high pay. <laughs>
0: Hype A, Hype A, the podcast. it sounds Hype
1: like, a. it sounds like cachet, which people cachet. say yeah. about us too. But it sounds a bit French.
0: A little bit, yeah. Or <laughs> <laughs> A, Epe A. Epe a. Yeah. Um, a. Um, so what would you, what would you um, offer your three tips and tricks to someone who wants to set up an art gallery or your three tips and tricks to, an artist starting in the art world or not in the art world right now? Okay.
1: I always say diversify is the first thing. I would say that to my students right away. Like don't, you know, if you know how to do like even something that's not associated, translating, for example, writing. Uh, I worked in the financial world for a little while. Uh, Mm -hmm. Planted trees. Uh, I did all sorts of things. Like just push everything. But especially stuff that you feel that's, you know, in some some way loosely associated to the art world, push those things, work in it, don't get upset if these things don't seem to have an immediate impact or an immediate relation mm-hmm. to what you're doing, because they'll end up your, you know, the body, it all comes from one body and bodies tend to, that's more of the problem later. Everything tends to kind of want to come together in one thing, right? Which is yeah. great. But at the same time, obviously, when you age, you want to keep diversifying, diversifying. So that's the point there. It's like diversify as much as you can when you start out and let things fall into place by themselves, Be confident Mm -hmm. uh, that they will. You know, that's Mm -hmm. one thing. Uh, Second thing, uh, things always have an impact. Uh, If you're working hard at something, something will come of it. It doesn't look like it when you're working at at the beginning, but uh, everything that you do, if you're consistent has an impact. It's kind of related to the other point, Mm -hmm. right? But everything that you do, if you're consistent, if you work at it hard, uh, and if you're passionate about it, that's another matter entirely, but Mm -hmm. um, you could reverse it. You could say that could be the third point. Work on everything you're passionate about. So all those things make sense to me, right? First, diversify. Second, be confident it will come together. And, and, and third, work on everything you're passionate about. I, mean, I guess the third point comes, goes with the first one, right? It would be the right way to say diversify. It would say, just grow like a, thre- like a tree. Just grow out of every branch that you have and be confident that it'll come together at the end because it comes from the same trunk. It comes from the same body. It all ba- bears your mark, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what's important.
0: Agreed. I don't know what the
1: third point yeah. would be.
0: <laughs> no, I, I was just thinking about, um, you know, also like the tree that takes up space and lets, lets itself, I know, have that light come through and it seems like that's what we're doing with the artists, with your, you know, your shows, um, and how you exhibit the work. Um, three people who inspire you in your artwork or in your career, or three people who you look up to. They can be deceased. They can be alive.
1: Oh my God! Okay, Jung, Carl Gustav Jung has become a principal uh, embodiment of a person who has most develop all his faculties. Not only as a writer, but also as a human being. I think he's complete, or he's as close as complete as can I can imagine. And I've just only discovered him like in the last year. Wow. Uh, I used to kind of not read him because he was too spiritual. I, I was more a Freudian type. But then- yeah,
0: I, I I absolutely loathe Freud. I yeah. loathe them.
1: Well, now I, I'm <laughs> pretty- You get why. Yeah, no, I I understand that now. There's something that didn't work, and uh, I think mm-hmm. there is there's a neuro, there's, there's a neurotic aspect to his work uh, that is uh,
0: absolutely
1: uh, definitely there. Um, <laughs> I guess John Zorn is another one.
0: John Zorn.
1: I'll put two Z's in one. Zappa and okay. Zorn are my kind of.
0: Okay. I, I have
1: found I find them both fascinating as people who are able to grow out all these faculties and be able to do all these different things. John mm-hmm. Zorn, even more on, on, on production. He mm-hmm. uh, He's produced, he's made probably 400 albums uh, of original material, not improvisation, original material. Mm-hmm. And he's not dead yet. He's around 63 or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so his capacity to work with different people, to get the best out of people, Zappa was able to do that as well. He would turn his play, his musicians into actors. They didn't even know how to act.
0: Mm-hmm. There's
1: many instances of him. Um, uh, George Duke, for example, one of his uh, one of the best uh, keyboard uh, players of jazz music, uh, wasn't a singer. Uh, he drew out his wonderful singers, boys singing boys. Uh, you know, he was able. He's just able to kind of like get the best out of everybody, and without um, imposing his own point of view.
0: Right. I think
1: both John, uh, John Zorn and Frank Zappa are like that. Um,
0: yeah, it sounds yeah. like that's that's what their reflections of who you are to the artists that you exhibit. You
1: know? Yeah, I, I I wish I would have started before. Like they started early, they started growing out like huge trees very early, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I, those are three people right now that I could name. Uh, yeah, uh,
0: yeah. Well, that's that's fine. Um, and what, just to to end, what would your word of wisdom be to to the world out there? I no, <laughs> no pressure.
1: No, no, I don't I don't consider myself to be a, a particularly wise person. I guess maybe you could say like in that kind of stance uh, that that kind of like the answer I just gave you would be one way to go about it, you know, like, you know, you never wise enough to pretend to be wise. Um, Exactly. Yeah. So um, then it's exactly like uh, like Jung, right? You see his interviews and he's constantly. Or just his writings, and he's he's constantly putting himself. Um, he's not allowing him to to himself to play the prophet. Um, even though he's an extremely intuitive, extremely smart, extremely complete complete man, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that I that I admire. Yeah. So it's not a my word of wisdom. It's just a. Kind of a, I'm re I'm rebounding off of him and saying, this is something. This is somebody who was extremely wise. I wish I could do that. Yeah, you know? yeah.
0: That's so cool. Well, Eric, thank you so much for being here on High Pay. I really, really appreciate it, and I, I'm sure that the High Pay listeners have, you know, really loved this episode. I hope um, so <laughs> <laughs> um I'll definitely put a link with your website the gallery website as well so the high Play listeners can go and, and have a look um and yeah well maybe we'll, I'll see you in LA or in, in Canada yeah now, I'm no? supposed to
1: go there <laughs> I'm We're also currently I'm, uh, I'm also talking with a gallerist in London right now
0: They're amazing
1: so, yeah so well,
0: Yeah, I travel a lot, so um, I'm sure I'll see you.
1: Well, you can come to
0: Montreal. (laughs) I would love that. It would be my first time, actually. I've not been. Yeah. I've never been. I'd love that. Just
1: wait until uh, (laughs) uh, winter's going to start now.
0: Oh, no. Oh, gosh. (laughs) Don't tell me that now. Well, maybe I'll see you when it's spring or something. All Um, right. But yeah, that's that's all for now on this episode. Uh, Make sure to share this episode and other episodes far and wide please also rate High pay on spotify amazon music google podcasts apple podcasts so others can see us and help bump up those algorithms as well and um, so more ears can listen to high pay across the globe we really appreciate the support and your feedback so as you know we're on high pays uh, high pay voices on instagram and we look forward to your suggestions so do send us a dm and if you'd like to sponsor us and produce ads you know where to find us Catch you in the next episode. Ciao for now.